Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest, Matthew Cahill, and you already know me, the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kent. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my guest, and we are going to rock and roll in this 30-minute segment. So here we go, y'all. Matthew J. Cahill, he is the CEO and president of the Percipio Company, which is which he started, his deep expertise in cognitive, social, and workplace biases is rooted in the belief that if you have a brain, you have bias. He works with executives to reduce mental mistakes, strengthen workplace relationships, and disrupt existing bias with current HR processes meeting protocols, and corporate policies. Matthew has demonstrated success with large clients like LinkedIn, Salesforce, and dozens of small to mid-sized companies looking to create more inclusive workplaces, work smarter, generate more revenue, and move from bias to belonging. And during this segment, Michael, Matthew and I are going to be focused on management consultant employee workshops and leadership coaching and he's going to walk us through on why he started this area because we have all felt some form of biases had some preconceived um, assumptions as well as notions but the most important thing is moving past that so we could really assimilate in an inclusive setting and make everyone feel seen and heard and have a sense of belonging in my opinion so without further ado please welcome Matthew J. Cahill. Thank you, Genesis. It's great to be here. My pleasure. And Matthew, did I pronounce the name of your company accurately? You did. The Percipio Company. Yep. Amazing. So what I like to do before we dive into the meat of the conversation is give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. There are two options to choose from. The first one being an icebreaker or the second one, a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Uh, Let's do icebreaker. Okie dokie. We're breaking the ice with Matthew. I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. (laughs) Sound effects. I love them. Uh, When I, um, I host a weekly gathering called inclusive leadership in a virtual world. And we believe we found the formula, the recipe, the, the blueprint for the most engaging 60 minutes that you can have in a Zoom setting or any virtual platform. We just have a bias for Zoom. And so one of the sound effects we use is uh, transporting people from that main room to the breakout rooms. And I always set it up as this is the closest that we've come in our modern human era to being on the transporter beam of the Starship Enterprise. Like like going from the transporter deck to a planet, we're going to go from this room over to that room and hopefully all the particles come back. And before I hit go, 
I have somebody do a sound effect. So your icebreaker was perfect. I love that. It aligns with uh, with what we do in a best practice. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that. And I don't know why when you just said that, all of a sudden I thought about that old school cartoon, The Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, Rosie the robot. That's what I think of when I think of the Jetsons. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid. So now let's jump into the work that you're doing now. But before you got to where you are, let's understand some back end to your story because sometimes people see the success, but they don't realize that you had to have those start ugly moments. You may have to ha- um, overcome those failures, those hurdles, and etc. But it's what strengthen you and catapult you to the level that you're at now. Just because you're a CEO does not mean that you stop learning and you stop growing all of us as individuals are currently refining our craft so can you give us a glimpse into your background sure um i started this business this consulting practice in 2010 and it was a side gig it was a side hustle it was something that i did while i was full-time employed up until 2017 um And what happened then was a confluence of things. Uh, I very arrogantly left my employer of the time thinking that it would just be like it was in every other point in my career. I would just get another job. Didn't really anticipate hitting the, the degree of what I now see as age bias in the workplace. I'm in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, tech sector, very, very, very youth oriented. I mean, I think our society in general values youth. Uh, I think there's certain industries where it's even more predominant. Entertainment is one, right? Ask any female actress uh, what their shelf life is. Uh, And in the tech sector, it also, uh, there's a definitive bias in favor of youth. Um, so I think that was something that I bumped up against. I wasn't ready for and, uh, becoming CEO was, you know, there was a nomination process. It was a, 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 a committee of, well, two, my wife was involved too, because she's the board of the Percipio company. So it's also a family run business. I like that. So what, um, so the tech sector, and then you felt like I'm, this is what I'm hearing and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. You felt a little sense of ageism because whenever you go into the tech, it's like young, fun, thriving, and et cetera. And I can't say that I fully understand that industry because my background is oil and gas, which I spent 12 years in oil and gas and 15 in corporate America as a whole. So very male dominated. And I, I can see, um, whenever things begin to shift as baby boomers begin to retire and attrition takes place, then you have the millennials and et cetera, trying to come in. And then you see a rift between um, ideas versus really looking at that inclusivity. And then in your perspective, 
you left a good, uh, a good paying job, um, probably benefits and et cetera. And then you're starting something new. So some people from the outside looking in may say, Matthew, are you okay? Are you crazy? Like what's going on? And they may have all forms of opinions and, you know, their viewpoint and et cetera. But sometimes we as individuals have to follow our heart and do what's best for ourselves as well as our family. So whenever you um, went out for for the CEO position and being the founder of Precipio along with your wife and the family run business, what was the hardest thing that you had to get over? Insecurities. Uh, can I really do this? Is this something that uh, I can build and sustain, grow and sustain and, uh, actually have a, a viable income so I can put my children through college so that I can, you know, keep a roof over our head and food in our belly. And, and, uh, and so there's a lot of fear involved when you go out on your own and you're, you're giving up that protective umbrella that comes along with being a full-time employee. I like that. And I think people could resonate with that, um, especially now that we're in the great resignation. So, so what made you call your company the Percipio Company? Um, Percipio is a Latin word that means perception or to perceive. And it's it's when you unpack it a little bit further, it's all about how our brains process information. And uh, and and bias is a byproduct of how our brains are just wired to process information. So the trademarked tagline, if you have a brain, you have bias is grounded in science. Yes. Now we're connecting the dots. Follow me audience. We're building here. There's a reason why I ask the questions the way I do, because whenever I saw Percipio, I'm like, okay, perception. And then he's talking about bias. So what is your perception around bias? And then later on, we're going to get into bias to belonging, but then all of this is building up to the work that you're doing in leadership coaching. Because in order to be an effective leader, not only are you supposed to lead, but you're supposed to see how are you making an imprint? How is that driving an impact? And how do people see you on the forefront as well as behind the scenes? Because you can't be one way in in front of everyone else, but then a different way behind closed doors, because then you're not really tapping into that full authenticity, in my opinion. So whenever I think about a, le a leader, I think a leader can lead from any seat. And whenever you think about coaching, that coach is still going through personal and professional development, and they're partnering what they have learned from their failures as well as their successes to help somebody else. Would you say you agree with that sentiment or disagree, Matthew? Wow. Which one, Genesis? You covered a lot of ground right there. That was... Uh... Feel free to pick it apart. We're having this coffee chat style conversation. <laughs> I would I would overwhelmingly say yes. I agree with, with everything that you were... Uh that you were describing. And the idea that we can even compartmentalize the way that we once did uh, is a, is a, is a fallacy. I think um, the idea that you have, you know, this persona that you have at work, and then you somehow leave that when you go home and you have a different persona, like this personal professional work life, like the line has been so 
it, it, it was porous 30 years ago. And then it just started getting more fuzzy and lighter and blurred. And now once COVID hit, it's gone. Like it's just gone. And you can try to compartmentalize your life and you, you do have to behave certain ways in certain contexts, but this idea that you can have, you know, a, 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 a separate, a separation, a clear demarcation, a, a clear delineation of work versus, you know, personal versus professional, I think is, is a, is a fallacy. It, it, it just doesn't exist. It's a, it's rooted in an agrarian uh, mindset, a, a, an industrial mindset, even, you know, now that we're in the information age, I think it's, you know, it's, it's less possible because you are who you are, wherever you are. Uh, and I like the idea that we're transcending even out of an information age right now and into an emotional age. We are, we are experiencing emotional labor and you of all people know that. Like every day you wake up and you got all sorts of things happening in your body that may or may not enhance what you do for your, in air quotes, work. Yeah, I love that. And I love in order for a transformation to take place and that um, transcending, you have to be willing to transfer. And once you transfer, it helps you transition. And as you're transitioning, it helps the transformation to really take place and root it. So from a management standpoint and consulting with some of the big companies, as well as the small to mid-sized company, what are some of the ways that those companies could do a better job to really being inclusive and creating a welcoming environment because from my standpoint when the pandemic happened and certain movements happened and this is not like to be political here but whenever the black lives matter movement happened and the stop asian hate movement and then me too came back full circle we saw a lot of companies that were trying to save face and jumping on the bandwagon to show how they were diverse how they were equitable, how they were inclusive, and how they had a sense of belonging. But then looking at surveys like Gallup surveys and exit strategies and et cetera, we saw that the same um, population that they were saying that they were so-called being was um, that population what's getting laid off. And I was a part of that population. So how can we really hold management accountable to do more than just a check the box to show their shareholders and their profit centers? Oh yeah, we're diverse, we're equitable, we're inclusive, and really make them put their mouth where their money is. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. But in my opinion, I think it takes leadership as well as ICs, individual contributors, to work together in order for these synergies to take place and build out something that is sustainable and not here for the short term, but here for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Again, lots to unpack with that. Um, I I can start just by addressing the the systemic nature. I think of 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 many of the corporate models that you're referring to, and you know, there's a a narrative that became painfully obvious in Silicon Valley because the timeline was constricted. If you go back far enough in history, there was there's always a narrative of a small group of people, very usually wealthy people, uh, who benefit off the labor of others. Um, and I think that that model just evolved over time. 
and it never really went away. It took on different uh, dimensions. It took on different uh, permutations. And I think that that model bred new ways to subjugate and oppress many people, marginalized groups of people, uh, and continue to raise up and, and inflate others. And what's unique about the the tech sector is I think it just, it concentrated that in, in, a, in terms of time, right? And so you literally had like, not necessarily overnight millionaires, but pretty darn close, right? The way they would, they just exploited the existing models, right? That, that, that made a small group of people very, very wealthy, potentially at the expense of a large body of laborers, right? Maybe they were coders, maybe they were software engineers, maybe they were uh, network people, maybe they were H, you know, there were all the people that served and maybe they got little crumbs from the bigger pie, but the way that the, you know, the series funding, the series A funding, the venture capital, the way that that's carved out is inordinately benefiting those small handful of people. And I think the more light that's shined on that, and the implicit greed that exists in that, it it's serving to create new models and new ways of doing things. Uh, it's going to take a long time because we're going back through the entire history <laughs> of corporations. Uh, they were never designed to, to sustain beyond the purpose, right? A corporation in its inception was supposed to just be for a specific project, right? To get a railway done or to build pipes or something. And, and then it was was supposed to be disbanded. They were never supposed to take on human characteristics and and be entitled to vote and and you know and, and to have their tentacles be spread into political systems. So it's there's a lot of work to do, but I see I see glimmers of hope because I see things changing. Would you say from your vantage point and your expertise that the pandemic was a blessing in disguise to some people because it was a period of reflection? It was also a period that individuals who were working for these corporations, they started to see the value in themselves and what they can do. So some of those individuals began leaving these toxic workplaces. But then on the flip side, the corporations began to suffer because they were losing employees who were maybe high posts, they're high potentials, high flyers, but they weren't having empathy or compassion for the, those employers and the employers that I don't have to put up with this. I could, you know, go out to either another company or start my own business because when the world was shut down, people had a lot of time to think and be at home with their families. So that was time on a personal side, but they also had time to think about different ideas and innovations that they can do in order to think outside of the box to level up their level socioeconomic wise and Let's be honest, brick and mortar shut down. And where did people go? They they went online for their business and more digital nomads started to rise up and et cetera. And I I do believe that um, your, your statement here will come into play. If you have a brain, you have a bias because, okay, what you used to think, you may not think that way anymore because you have now awakened yourself to see things in a different vantage point and have a new perception based on implicit biases that were interjected to you. Does that make sense? Or should I rephrase it, Matthew? 
No, I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, Genesis. Sorry, I'm very passionate about this subject. And just to have an expert in the community talk about this and go back and forth is just amazing. So, <laughs> you know, my my only response is the initial phrasing of this of this uh, of your of your commentary was rooted in, you know, is this had the have the past two years been some form of a blessing? Yes. And uh, I can't I can't go there uh, because there's been too many people that died, uh, yeah. perhaps unnecessarily. Uh, and, you know, if there's somebody that, you know, that, that, that now it seems like more people have more people close to them that are either getting COVID or, you know, being impacted by it in some way, shape or form. And yet the irony is you don't hear, if you looked at the news headline or the, or the lexicon and the common discourse or headlines or wherever, it, it's like it didn't ever, it's like it doesn't exist anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a byproduct of media bias and how, you know, the media is a monster. It just needs to feed itself and it just wants to capture your attention. It, it, there's a, a model used in advertising called harvesting attention. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you go to business school, learn about advertising, that's a model that's taught. How eerie is that to think like, you know, somebody is, there's, there's teams of people, committees that are sitting around just figuring out the most creative, magnificent way to harvest your brain, right? To harvest your attention to, and that's, and that's what they're doing is, 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 and we willingly participate in it just by watching our favorite shows or consuming our favorite media. But uh, it's really insidious when you start to look at it through these lens, lenses of, of bias. Mm, And thank you for sharing um, your viewpoint there. And I could see where you're coming from, where you won't necessarily say that it's a blessing based on the number of lives that we have lost due to the pandemic, which has been horrendous and tragic. And I could see both sides of it um, by losing three significant people, one being my dad to medical negligence in November of 2020. And then losing my corporate job from oil and gas due to the downturn of the oil and gas market than both of my grandmothers, so all within a year and a half. So I could see the horrendous side, but then I also see the side of it being a blessing because it woke people up to really know who they are and what is it that they could provide. How can you be a solution to other people's problems without seeking the validation or appeasement from other people who don't value what what you bring to the table? And um, Matthew, I want to throw you an audible here to get you to summarize some of the work that you're doing or clarify something that I may not have asked or something that I didn't say in the correct format based on the work that you're doing, because you're doing a lot of powerful things, um, in my opinion, in the management consulting space, employee workshops, as well as leadership coaching to really help people think about biases, but think about it from a holistic perspective. view oh thank you for teeing that up and uh and and signaling before turning i um i appreciate that (laughs) genesis uh and and the back to the code count you are the blessing genesis like being able to respond the way that you did to tragedies in your life like that is the blessing uh not the the not the cause potential cause of 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 what of those events and so I think COVID is something to me that has really accelerated the 
it, it, it shined the light on a lot of the fungus of our social constructs. And, uh, you know, that needed to happen, right? And I think it's, it's, it's accelerated things in certain areas. It's, uh, it's, it's fundamentally shifted the way people, you know, engage with one another in the workplace. I think people are a lot more intentional now. Uh, there's been a lot of changes that have happened and it's, it remains to be seen how many of those will stick. Um, with my practice, I, I work with companies to make those changes stick. Uh, I don't believe in checkbox efforts when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, I think there's um, a lot of poorly designed DEI programs with people who have their own agendas. And, uh, and so one of the things I do and that I take a lot of pride in is meeting individuals and groups of people, decision makers in organizations where they are. And what do I mean by that? Everybody's at a different level of understanding about who they are in their respective workplaces. And the for an organization to try to tackle and, and become uh, and, and be a, a culture of belonging, that's been the, the latest addition to the DEI dance, right? It, it's, uh, it's really audacious. It's bold. I mean, how do you how do you create conditions that allow people to satisfy one of the most fundamental human desires that we have, which is to, a need to belong somewhere. That is bold, right? And so to take it superficially is silly. Like it's, you're setting yourself up for failure. And, uh, and what I've done with some tremendous uh, trusted advisors is, is, is designed the four cornerstones of belonging. Uh, it starts with identity, moves into agency, we explore ideas of power so that everyone is hitting these states of flow, right? They get in the zone, irrespective of whether an individual contributor or they're the executive or the governing board of a company. Beautiful. And I like how you broke it down into four stages. And thank you for um, adding that value there, because I think it's going to connect with everyone, no matter if you're an employee and you're an individual contributor, if you're a leader or if you're an entrepreneur working in your business, but transitioning to work on your business. And Matthew, let's segue into the call to action as we begin to wind down. What is your call to action for the community today? Well, Genesis, I understand you'll put a link in uh, some respective area in close proximity from wherever people are viewing this or listening to this, to what I lovingly refer to as the belonging assessment. And this is the latest iteration of, it's the culmination really of the work that I do with organizations to move them from bias to belonging. And the, it's a very simple 20 question uh, assessment that gives you a visual rendering of your belonging score. And uh, it's designed to be used as most assessments are, which is just a snapshot. This is just what you record in that moment. And so some people fret when they don't score high enough, uh, which is the way many people are wired. Um, but it really is, if you're, if you're authentic and honest in answering the questions, it just gives you a snapshot of where you are. And the idea is we can come back to it again 
after we change processes, after we work with the, you know, the, the governing board, after we do some employee workshops, after some people get coaching, and then we do it again and we see where people are in relation to where they were. And so it's, it literally gives a, a company something that they can use, a tool that they can use to move the needle, right? Which is often a criticism that this work just doesn't address. Thank you for sharing that, Matthew. And I will have that, um, that link in the show notes. And now for your contact information, if someone is interested in working with you, whether they're a corporation or they're an individual, how can they connect with you via your website? And are you on any social media platforms? Uh, yep. I'm on, uh, the website is the best place because that has all the beautiful bells and whistles. Uh, and I do have a lot of things that you can do. It's not just static content. Uh, it's by design. So it's very interactive. It's fun. Go check it out. PercipioCompany.com. That's all one word. P-E-R-C-I-P-I-O company.com. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can follow me on LinkedIn or the company. You can subscribe to our inclusive leadership newsletter. Um, the other forms of social media you know, they get crumbs. I don't do a lot on uh, Instagram. I'm not doing a lot. I do have a YouTube channel, but it's not very active. So uh, LinkedIn is really the primary source of social media that the Percipio company is using. Amazing. And Matthew, thank you again for coming into the community and just sharing your knowledge with us and just really being open to having a great conversation. Audience, once again, Matthew J.K. Hill's contact information will be in the show notes. I will link his website, the assessments for you to take, as well as his LinkedIn, which should also be backlink on his website. So it's easy peasy, one, two, three. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. So there's a place for everyone to listen. This video will also be on our YouTube channel. If you go to GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, here goes my rendition. Where would I be without my supporters? You know, I only think about you. We appreciate everything that you do for the subject matter experts that come into the community that you support, as well as the content that we put on because we are on a mission to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together to make this world a better place. So until the next segment, next guest, peace love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and remember to believe in yourself and really condition your mindset. And if you look at yourself in the mirror and you answer those hard questions, it's going to move you from bias to belonging. And Matthew J. Cahill is going to help you get there by taking those assessments. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, 
Genesis, G E N E S I S, Amaris, A M A R I S, Kemp, K E M P at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems Podcast.